Welcome to Church Project. Um, we're a church, a gathering of people that love Jesus, and we love the mission of Jesus in this world. And, and we're a project. We're an ongoing pursuit to discover what Christ originally intended church to be. So tomorrow morning, we don't know what church is going to be, but we know who the church is. And we know why the church is here. So welcome to Church Project. You can follow along on your version notes if you would like. Normally, we go through expository teaching, which means verse by verse through a book. I'm actually considering going to an Old Testament book next. Like, this could be super fun for us. Right now, though, we're in the parables of Jesus. And the parable we're going to look at today is found in Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 32, and this is the parable of the, ta- the tower builder and the warring king. And it's going to be a great parable today. What I want to remind us is when we study this parable today, there's a couple things to just keep in our mind. One is when Jesus taught this, he was walking the earth and he was talking to humans just like us. So we could be sitting at the feet of Jesus right now, and his original intent that he was teaching is the same intent today. And so our prayer is, God, show me what it is you were saying in Scripture. To the people of that time, what was the message? And then the other thing to remember is that Jesus intended to change attitudes and hearts and minds with his teaching, or else it would have been useless teaching. Like He was giving intent behind his teaching, and so today... I believe that as we sit in this room, the Holy Spirit is active and living today. Do you believe that? And in our hearts and in this place right now, God can meet you and me where we're at and encourage us, teach us some incredible things. And my prayer is uh, is found out out of Psalms chapter 25, verses 4 through 5 for all of us. So let me read this and pray this over us. Jesus, please help me submit to your kingdom authority in every area of my life. Lord, please show us your ways, Lord. Teach us your path and guide us in your truth. Teach me, teach us, for we um, are under your lordship and you are our God, our savior, and our hope is in you all day long. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. This is a good parable. And why I really like this parable is it's found in this section of verses 25 through 35 of um, Luke 14. And these sections of parables are all about being a disciple. What does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be a Christ follower, which means Christian, to be like Christ? And so in this place, if you declare yourself a Christian, that means you're trying to learn from who Jesus was and how he lived, and we're saying, God, we want to be like you. So my prayer and hope for all of us as we read this passage about being a disciple is that if God pricks us and shows us something, and we're like, oh, that stings a little, that we would be saying, God, I want to be like you, so I will adjust my life to your teaching. It's about you, and it's not about me. So, let me read this parable. Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 28. Jesus teaches, and he says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and you are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish He continues and goes to another parable and says, Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. 
Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. And in verse 33, he ends and says, in this way, those of you who do not give up everything and have cannot be my disciples. So we look at these two parables that Jesus is talking in the context of, of what does it mean to be a Christ follower, a disciple of Christ. And I want to give us a couple of cultural things that are happening right now. Culturally, when he's teaching this to these people at this time and he's talking about a tower, most people can go, oh yeah, I know what towers are, I can see, because these towers were built for two specific reasons. One, a tower was built for agriculture and it was built around vineyards so they could look and protect the vineyard so people were familiar with that. Another tower was built just for the military eye, kind of on the outskirts of cities or right inside them. So again, the military can be looking from the tower and watching out for anyone that may become in, in, to invade. So they know this about the towers. Another thing to know about this time, especially in this part of the world, which continues to be true today, this is a culture of honor and shame. Like honor is Huge, and you don't want to be shamed. And so when Jesus is talking about this tower and this, this person's going to build but doesn't have the resources to finish it, that's like, that's the worst. That's shameful in this culture. And so they're getting it. Like this teaching is so, so important. Another thing that during this time, and it's still pretty true today, but especially during this time, was there was constantly wars and death. And so when Jesus is talking about this parable of the warring king, they're like, yeah, I get it. Like, it's important to know why you're fighting and if you can win. So they're understanding this. And I also want to point out one other thing in verse 32. Verse, verse 32 says, if he is not able, he will send a delegation. Sending a delegation meant more to them in this time than maybe it does for us today. Because this warring king counted and said, with 10,000, I don't know that I can beat them over there. And so while they're a far way off before they attack us, we're going to send a delegation to them. And what this really meant, in modern times we're going to miss it a little bit, but during this time it really meant unconditional surrender. Like, I'm not going to win this. I can see the writings on the wall. I'm about to get destroyed and annihilated, and I'm going to send a delegation to go out and try to appease this army that's going to come and get me. And so it is a sign of unconditional surrender, which is going to hit us pretty personal here in a few minutes, okay? One great commentarian, he's a professor at Denver Seminary, is Craig Blomberg. I think this dude has like photographic memory. He memorizes everything. And one thing he says about this is the first parable, because we're looking at two parables. The first one is the tower builder. The second one is the king. And Blomberg says, the first parable asks if we can count the cost of discipleship. The second asks if we can afford the, to pay the price of refusing God's call. That's something to really chew about and think about when you go to house church this week. This is such a cool parable to talk about. Christ, in essence, is saying in these two parables, he's saying to merely desire or to just title yourself Christian is not enough. 
It's not enough. Just because you say I'm a Christian, but just because you desire to live a, a holy life and look more like Christ is not enough. And Jesus knows this. He goes, listen, to be a disciple means everything's gonna change about you. Just saying you are is not enough. Where are your deeds? Where are your actions? Saying and doing must go together. Being a follower of Christ is not a game, it's not a convenience, and it's not even an obligation. Christ is saying in this teaching, do you wanna live like me? If so, be my disciple. Be my disciple. How many of you, a few years ago, maybe like five years ago, would drive down south uh, by Colorado Springs, and just on the north side of Colorado Springs, there was an enormous structure that was just a concrete structure, and it just kind of sat there. My dad's in banking, and he's like, yeah, the problem is this lady, she had a lot of money, she invested in this and started building it, and then about halfway through, ran out of money. And we're talking multiple stories. This is just con concrete. You remember seeing this up of I-25? Well, it's set empty for a long time because they didn't count the cost, and for years it just sat there. I think it's now that Wolf, wolf Lodge or something, whatever. You know that Wolf Lodge? That's fun. But how embarrassing to know on the north side of Colorado Springs, here's my 20-foot structure that I started to build, and it just is there now, and I, and I, and I can't finish it. Listen. When Christ is teaching the people of this time, he's saying being a Christian is more than just saying, it's actually doing. And may you actually consider what it means to be a Christ-like, to be like Christ. I think one false doctrine that the Church of America often just talks about is, hey, man, you become a Christian and all your wildest dreams are gonna come true. That you become a Christian, kumbaya, you're gonna get healed of every sickness and money's gonna be rolling in your bank and you come to the Lord and, and, we, and we build these churches where it's like, you know what? We're gonna make it so easy for you. You can just show up, you can just consume the fruits, you don't ever have to be or do, we want you to be comfortable. Man, may that not ever be said of us. May we always be people and may we, especially Church Project, be a church that says no, we are people that are bleeding together. Like, we want to be like Christ. We've counted what it means to be a disciple, and we're saying, I guess I'm in. It's almost like when you become a Christian, you could be like, dang it, I'm a Christian. Because you know how hard it's going to be. It isn't just about a security thing so you don't go to hell. No, it's so much more. And, and the Bible looks at it and talks about it in many ways. 2 Timothy 3.12 says this. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. How many of you are Christians? You will be persecuted, all right? Put that smile on your face. You will be destroyed. You will be cut. You will be shipwrecked. You will hurt. Isn't that an awesome message? And Jesus is saying, count the cost of what it means to be a Christian. Count the cost. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 18 says this, and I'm gonna read a lot of this, so maybe if you wanna just close your eyes and take this in. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This 
makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God, amen? We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the Psalms just had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And all of God's people said, amen. I'm going to pray for us. God, oh my gosh. Why would we ever sign up for this? And thank you. God, thank you that you love us so much. As we experience death and troubles and hardship and the cost of being a follower of Christ, may we continually lock our eyes with you and trust in you as we step one step at a time, not worrying about the future, but knowing, God, that your perfect will, you're sovereign in our life. You've already been there and you've already written our stories, God. I pray over anyone in this room right now that feels perplexed or crushed or destroyed that you would just swoop into their heart right now and encourage them. Encourage us, God. And God, even today as we sit and we think about what it means to be a Christian, I pray that it's not with fear that we look at the future. I pray it's with a great smile, remembering where we've come from and what you've saved us from. And God, may you use us in all of our places and spaces this week to look at people in the eyes and smile in the darkest of places. May you use us to speak of hope and to speak of you because the world desperately needs this. And I thank you for this passage, God. I want to just pause here just for a minute. Jesus is taking these two parables and he's looking at every single one of us that says, yeah, we're Christians. 
He's looking us in the eyes and he's saying, consider the consequences of this commitment to be a Christ follower. Consider the consequences of this, which by the way, consequences are both bad and good, right? Consider it. Consequence of being a Christian, one great one is, man, we can dance on death. Woo! But it also means that we may be persecuted and it may be hard. Consider the consequences. The thing that I found so, so cool in this is look at verse 32. I think this is so profound if we look at verse 32. And it destroyed the whole thought when I looked at this parable, okay? And in verse 32 it says, if he is not able, he will send a delegation. So what does that mean? It means this warring king looked up, counted the cost, and said, I'm not able to win. And he sends a delegation and says, it's complete surrender, I won't win this. Pause. Do you think you can save yourself? Because you're just that good? I think all of us at some point in life have got to look up and go, God, I've tried living life on my own, and it's not going to work out well. I am not able to. And I recognize I am not able to. I am not able to save myself. I am not able to speak life into those places. I can barely get up some days. So God, complete surrender. Here's my delegation that I'm sending to you saying, God, I surrender to you whatever it may be. This is super profound. Because in this time we see what's happening, but in our own lives, when was the point where you said, God, no longer is this life about me, but it's about you, complete surrender. And what that means is when you speak and when your Holy Spirit's speaking to me, I will align myself with your Lordship because God, complete surrender to your life. So if there's anyone in this room today that hasn't done that, man, I would encourage you just to say, God, this life I'm trying to live on my own is not working. It's full of pride, hurt, shame, guilt, whatever it may be. God, I, I, I recognize as I study and as you're speaking to me that you sent Jesus to die a gruesome death on the cross, to beat death and to stand the gap of death for me. And God, I couldn't do that. So I completely surrender to you. Please take control of my life. Like show me who you are so I can live more like you. And so I... I encourage everyone else in this room, if you don't know what it means to be a Christian, find someone right next to you and say, what does it mean to be a Christian? Because we've got a great story to tell you. All we have is our stories. Here's, here's my story. I was lost, now I'm found. I continue to wonder if I'm gonna be found, found out as a fraud. Do you? Like, one day you're going to come and go, Aaron doesn't know what he's talking about. Hey, you recognized it. And may God get the glory and credit in that. May he use my life and your life. And how do we filter our decisions? How do we look at the world? Do we look at it through our grid or through God's grid and his life? Do we see Christ's faithfulness in our life? Do we see his love? Do we see his compassion and his patience? And I like this parable, how it ends in an open-ended question, these two parables. And the open-ended question leaves us to decide what to do in our lives. 
It leaves us to decide. We each have to consider the cost of what it means to be a disciple, a Christian. It's an open-ended question that we have to wrestle with God over and consider the cost of being a Christ follower. What will it take? What will it take in our lives? Well, let me give you a little glimpse into my life what it'll take to continue being a Christian in my life. And here's just a little glimpse, okay? Here's what I know I need because I know about me. I, need, I know that I need time. If you're anything like me, I know that I need time to sit, think, pray, and just be in silence. Which, by the way, I'm going away for two days to Winter Park to do that. I leave this afternoon, so please pray for me because I'm gonna be twitching without my phone. <laughs> But I know I need that. Do you? Like, I need that to be a disciple that loves God and stays fresh with him. I know that I actually need physical exercise, too. It really helps mentally, spiritually, in all areas. I think better. I need that just to be a good follower of Christ, a good disciple. Like, I know this about me. Are you like this? I know that I need to, to contribute to a better life, especially in Greeley in the downtown area. Like, I want to be part of the community. I want to be part of the solution, not the problem. I want to innovate and create. Like, I know this because I come alive in God in this way. This is what I need to be a good follower of Christ. You want me to keep going? I'll give you a couple more. I need to laugh a whole lot more. Lauren disciples in me in that every day. She's our laugher. It reminds me I need to laugh a whole lot more. Thank you, Lord. I need relationships. I need honesty. I need vulnerability. I need accountability. I need to give access to my wife, to my phone and email and calendars. I know this. I can go on and on and on about how dark I am and what I need to be a disciple of Christ, but this is an open-ended parable where he's saying, count the cost to be a disciple. This ain't no joke. This ain't, this ain't light. Consider it and be all in. Send a delegation to God and say, I full surrender. You have my life. And when he prompts us to change, may we, because we realize how much he's given for us and we want to do the same. Amen? Man, this is good. As you consider the cost, are you trying to come to Christ on your own terms? <laughs> Tell us how that works. And as you consider the cross, the cost, what do you need to let down, to let go of, and turn from? Because there's victory over here. As long as we carry that weight, as long as we have those rocks in our cup, that's about as full as it is going to get. May we take the rocks out and let God fill us till it's overflowing. And I think all of us will say I'm gonna invite Weston up to come and just march us through an incredible thing during this time. Let me pray over us. God, thank you for our time today. Man, thank you for these parables. These are great parables. These are awesome. And I pray that this week as we count the cost is what it means to be a follower of, of you, God, that we would look at our lives honestly and vulnerably. And, and God, if there's something you're asking us to change or rearrange or do or add or take away, God, I pray that we won't stop until we align our lives with you. Please use us in powerful ways to show this world how much you love them. And God, I pray that we realize in our own lives how much you love us. Mm -hmm.